0: Welcome to another episode of the Ten Frame podcast for emerging artists. My name is Kelly Thompson, and you can find me at kellythompsonart.com or on Instagram at kellykthompsonart.
1: Hey, I'm Kevin Kirkwood, and you can find me at kevinwillpaint.com or my Instagram handle is kevinwillpaint.
0: Kevin and I will be having a two person show opening on Friday, May the 26th, that runs through Sunday, May the 28th at the Southern Motors building at 402 Broughton Street in downtown Savannah, next to Blix Art Supplies. The opening reception will be Friday, May the 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. We hope to see you all there. The 10 Frame now has a patrons page on our website where anyone can contribute to the podcast to help us cover associated costs so we can continue to share our conversations from the artistic community with you. The website is the10frame.podbean.com. Thank you in advance. I know you got this now.
1: So I probably don't. I have
0: four <laughs> eyeballs looking at me. I don't pressure on him right yeah, now. Yeah, He's
2: yeah. like, oh no no no.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ten Frame. Today we have the honor of speaking to Violeta Kaminska, a Polish artist who's based in Savannah. She spent time in San Francisco, and most recently as a couple of residencies in Iceland. Um, she's a multidiscipline artist. Uh, primarily working with painting acrylic on canvas, um, digital media, installation work. Violetta, thank you for spending some time with us.
2: Thank you very yes, much.
0: Thank you for coming in. Thank you, guys. And right off the bat, where can people find you?
2: Website, com and dot a.com. I can sing it now. And on my website, you also find links to my Instagram, LinkedIn, and Instagram, same handle, Violeta Kamińska.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your thesis project that you worked on in San Francisco?
2: Mm-hmm, sure. So I researched a particular area mm-hmm. that was um, Crissy Field. Right. That's in Marina area in San Francisco. It's like you walk in a marina, you go towards the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's the area that used to be owned by military. Mm-hmm. And it was known as a waste zone. And then when the city took it over, they, um, the, the area was used, was given to the public as a... a as a recreational area. Right. And what's interesting on that, so, you know... It's it was, the best
1: view of the Golden Gate Bridge, oh, or one of the best, I mean, one yes. of the many, but...
2: Yes. It's beautiful. If there's no fog. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, you know. And I used to live right there, so I used to walk every day, a few times a day in that area, and um, lots of great blue herons live there, lots of okay. wildlife birds, yeah. um, migratory birds. But also there is a center, it's a, a tourist center, information center, Uh, that um, there's a small building there uh, in that area where uh, there are a few turbines. And it was quite an experiment. The turbines use the wind coming from the side of the Golden Gate Bridge. I think it was like five miles per hour, I think so. And they generate energy and the building uses that energy, you know, to kind of generate electricity and so on. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting to me to see the recreational area, wildlife and uh, technology being involved. So, but one day in particular, I saw great blue herons in the tree. And I remember I paused because I was in shock to see them not moving. And that was something really unbelievable to me. I was moving all the time and suddenly, you know, there's this bird standing and not moving. At some point, I didn't know it was real. And I remember people actually saying that around me, is that even real? Because we're all so used to the fast pace. So that was the moment, I think, that... um, I really paused, which was quite unusual unusual for me. And that's when I was doing a lot of lot of explorations and experiments, uh, primarily video based and then also some graphics. Um, I was focused on time and space and how um, how we maneuver through physical spaces and um spaces mm, more in our mind you know like based on uh, technology and how technology affects Mm -hmm. us so i spent a lot of i spent over two months actually on golden gate bridge in the moment the bridge golden bridge was opened and then before the closing i was filming the bridge i was filming movement of boats i was filming movement of birds
1: what kind of equipment what are we talking Very about?
2: Very basic. We're talking about tripod and Canon. I don't remember what camera exactly. I had Canon. I, I had it. This was checked out, actually. That equipment was checked so it's out digital, from school. Digital yeah, digital equipment, right? mm-hmm. Digital equipment, yeah. And then and, you, would you project it? The, no, so I was just taking videos at that time. You know, I was taking a lot of videos. Yeah. I call it raw footage. So um, at that point, you know, it, these are observations. So it's like field research, and I don't. I didn't know where it would go. So lots of recordings, lots of photos. Then I would carry a lot of uh, my bag. At some point, I remember her because I would carry a, a bunch of cameras, you mm-hmm. know, because I would be taking photos. And what was interesting, tourists in you know, lots of tourists on the Golden Gate Bridge, they would always look at me and they were surprised because I wouldn't be taking photos or videos of what tourists would take, right? I would just be looking at strange things, so everybody would pause and think that there's something important there. Mm-hmm. And then they were watching of some, you. They were watching of me, watching sites. things, yeah. you know. So uh, they, we had lots of interesting conversations. And um, and anyway, and you know, in the studio space, that was time when I would work full time on my thesis. I would, um, you know, I would look at all the footage I would have, and I would start create. Uh, I would juxtapose images with videos, and I would create those um, kind of weird landscapes. And that's what was the that's was the thesis project. Yeah. All
1: right, so let's fast forward a little bit. We we got a little bit of insight of your your academia work. And now you're working in Savannah mm-hmm. and you're producing work here, but mm-hmm. you're also doing residencies. You yeah. did some work in Iceland, I think.
2: Yeah. So when I moved to Savannah, I um, I really wanted to go back to painting. And I feel Savannah has that, you know, it, it really encouraged it, definitely this slowing down, but also going to... There was something about, you know, Savannah that helped me go back to painting and um i think COVID helped me to go to painting everybody was craving something you know either baking bread or painting right. so <laughs> what
0: prompted the move
2: um job i was okay. offered a job at okay, SCAD. great yeah
0: had you been to savannah before no wow and what do you what was your reaction when you got here very hot
2: yeah, hot, <laughs> humid. very hot, humid. Yeah, and uh, I remember my friends were joking because I kept talking about alligators when I was in San Francisco. I said, "Okay, there, there are alligators there in Georgia." I, you know, I was thinking, how am I going to live? Well,
0: I think it also affects your practice because if you're a painter, mm-hmm. especially if you're an oil painter, it really makes a difference on how things dry. Mm-hmm. You know, the humidity that's in the air. Just so geography, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think it actually can play a part in the way you make art.
2: I, I think so, definitely. But I really think, you know, I moved here three months before COVID. So it was a very interesting time to move. It was a like big December move. December of 2019. I, I or moved here like that. December 29, 2019. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like three months later, we went into So the only thing I saw before, like, around savannah i went to cumberland island i remember just a week oh, before we were. Together. i got to see that's cumberland. amazing right right it was outstanding With and i horses. remember i was mesmerized the wild horses just walking by me and uh, i'm very excited i got to see armadillo's first time in my life it was really <laughs> exciting so i was mesmerized by nature i was mm-hmm. really excited but you know then everything shut down so
1: what did what were you painting
2: I, at that time, I uh, I wasn't really painting much. I actually took a class mm-hmm. and then I in summer, and then I, I just went back to abstract painting, and that's what I always felt drawn to before. Too. So that was abstract painting, and I, I really don't paint with brushes, so I like to experiment with different tools, so that's what it was. And uh, it's the lush greenery that really... You know, that got me here in uh, Savannah. I remember I spent a lot of time at Skidway State Park walking every day during COVID. You know, I would never see a person there for the first few months, but I would see lots of wildlife. I remember seeing amazing fox and all the creatures. Did you see any alligators? Not at Skidway State Park, but I, I actually decided I really need to see an alligator. So I went to the, there's a wildlife wildlife rescue, I think, place. So I got to finally see the alligators. And I did a video with alligators.
0: Good. It's nice that they're contained in a place yes, where you know nice. that you're going to go see them. Yes. And they're not, you know, mm-hmm. walking behind you as you're, yeah, that, as you're trail walking on Skidway. That's definitely very nice. yeah,
2: I'm yeah. more into dogs.
0: Me too. Yeah. yeah.
1: So let's talk about you're painting in 2020. You're still painting, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are you painting now? Is it the same contact or content? Or?
2: Um. So before I moved to Savannah, yeah. in 2019, I was awarded two artist residencies in mm. Iceland. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one in June and one in July, two different places. One in Reykjavik and one in Akureyri. It's the West Fjords, the you know west side of Iceland, and um, I was I was convinced I was going in 2020 till COVID hit, so I knew I was not going. And I thought, okay, now I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So I, I knew I was going to be in Savannah during summer, hot summer, and I thought, what am I going to do? So this is the time when I actually, I really craved, the reason I wanted to do residence is I wanted to connect, that's one of the reasons I really do residence is to connect with artistic community from all over the world and you know the other reason of course is to um do research and then i always know that the new work will be generated but because i couldn't do it and i was craving that connection you know stuck in a small apartment so i decided to create a podcast where and i reached out to amazing artists from all over the world and they were all in the same i think you know everybody was in the same place so they were really were you know everybody was craving this kind of conversation and connection
1: what's the name of the podcast
2: a crazy Bird Podcast okay. because I love birds and I'm kind of a crazy bird, but um, so and birds are a big part of my practice. So in all my video installations, you will see birds because birds I use them as a metaphor, and that's where my applied linguistics background, you know, kicks in because I I work. I
1: don't even know what that means. What is applied to linguistics? So
2: my uh, my thesis was uh, I was <laughs> I mean, researching. You speak bird. Uh, I speak bird actually. Yeah. I do. Yeah, we
0: need some lessons because we just bought, um, over the last uh, year or so. We've never been really bird people. My wife and I, mm-hmm. we put a bird feeder right outside the mm-hmm. window in the kitchen. And I need to speak bird because they eat way too much. Mm-hmm. We'll fill it up. And then six hours later, it'll be just totally gone. Oh,
2: and you... Right now, it's a nesting season. Like I have outside the window, little cardinals, baby cardinals. Yeah, we have Maybe.
0: cardinals, doves, uh, the black grackles. Uh-huh. But you can hear, the, especially the doves, just flinging... Seeds everywhere. They're sounds amazing. It sounds like a big party. It is it is a party, mm-hmm. but um, the cat oh. gets a little crazy. So. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: I, I speak owl. I'm known for speaking Ooh. owl. So
0: there's a big owl that I photographed in Forsyth Park. Right I at the top of Forsyth. Have you seen that?
2: Yes. That. Right now there are baby owls there. Wow. And I actually made it to local news when I moved to Savannah. So I you know, I became a local star.
0: About the owl? About the
2: owl, because I befriended the owl. Or rather, the owl befriended me, baby owl. And um, I would go and sit and sketch on a bench, and the owl would fly and sit on the side of the bench, and we would just hang. I wouldn't feed the owl, I wouldn't touch the owl, so that has to be clear. And then one time, a local reporter was walking by when we were just sitting, the owl and I, and and she asked me if she can uh, do the recording. She did, so that made it the local news. Wow. Yeah.
0: I did some... So I saw the owl when I was walking in the evening and mm-hmm. it was about 10 feet away from me on just on the ground, mm-hmm. probably looking for something to eat and mm-hmm. we made eye contact mm-hmm. and had a little, you know, staring contest and then it flew up in the tree. I took, I took a lot of photographs and I ended up doing, um, uh, an etching mm. and did some, did some, like see uh, that. Okay. print work from it. But yeah, I'm, mm. I, I love owls.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're pretty amazing. I, I also followed them, not on Instagram, in person. I watched them in, um, at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. So that's, I even had a little video installation. There's a, there is a peephole cinema in San Francisco where you don't go to the actual cinema. You stand outside and you put your eye. There's a little peephole and you watch that the videos are being, you know, the movies or videos are being uh, shown. And one of my owl videos was shown when the owl is staring right at you. So that's,
0: that's a, a cool way to watch an owl yeah that's yeah. pretty amazing
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you're i'm trying to like bring it back to the paintings paintings yes yeah. paintings.
2: so i went to iceland eventually i did uh-huh. make it to iceland but that was in 2022 and that's when that was an amazing experience so i always always i even tell my students i strongly recommend artist residencies. how did
0: you find this particular residency google search yeah, mm-hmm. and, just, but did you know you wanted to go to Iceland? Uh,
2: I was thinking about it because I did before residencies, and I thought, where would I like? Where would I like you? Where would I like to go? But uh, to do work, I don't want to go as a tourist. You know, I, I like to go places and kind of become part of the environment and part of the culture and connect with people. And I always feel artist residencies allow me to do so. So I, I thought I was at that time, actually, when I was thinking about it, I was in Poland because I had a show there at the museum in my hometown. And I thought, you know, I need to do an, It's time for me. I used I did residency, outstanding residency. I strongly recommend that at Headlands Center for the Arts. It's in Marine, San Francisco mm-hmm. area. And then I did one in Berkeley, Kala Art Institute. And it's at that time it had been a few years. So I thought I was ready for a new residency and new work. And I thought that the place I would like to visit, especially because of the nature of my work, the landscapes I kind of work with and slowing down. And I'm very interested. I think, you know, it's not very unusual these days in environmental issues. And um, I thought Iceland would be the place. So I, you know, I did my research. I took some time researching different residencies in Iceland. And there are quite a few, actually, if you look it up. And I found the two that I was... I thought would be really uh interesting to me and relevant to my work and i applied
1: how long did you stay there
2: uh, i stayed in each residency one month okay. so i did two months in iceland yes yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and was it based did you base your the work that you were doing there around painting or were you doing
2: multi-disciplinary you... so okay. i did painting i did video installations recording sound um drawings I did writing so you know I just completed my Kickstarter campaign when I raised funds to self-publish my book that will showcase my work and also feature my writing I called it visual essays So what's the um, name of
1: the book and when is it coming out
2: Retreating It's and that's the thing this is the very first, I think, project of that nature that is just growing. It started, I started really doing research. It's okay, so there was podcast before I went to Iceland and then I couldn't go to Iceland. I was really craving going to Iceland. It's like I waited two years really for it to happen. So I was reading so much and I was um, thinking about it. So, you know, I thought I need to paint it. So I was responding to Iceland before I went to Iceland, you know, to only what I knew from reading or images. And it was all abstract, and it was interesting. I was curious to know how I will feel about that work when I go to Iceland. And I have to say that um, I, I just feel like I I was connecting, or I think, to Iceland. And then when I was in Iceland, and you know, I was pre- producing work, I was shipping some artwork actually back here to us. And then when I came back, I continued. So the project that I started developing in Iceland, I called Retreating. And the name comes from that very moment when I, the third day I was nice, I was standing in front front of one of the outstanding glacier, and I won't pronounce the name because I just don't remember exactly the name, but um, I was standing in front of the glacier, and you know, glacier, obviously we have problems, you know, the glacier is physically, literally retreating, but I also thought at that moment um, about society and how we, you know, are retreating in many different ways, what, happening you know politically culturally and socially but at the same time I thought how um being surrounded with outstanding artists around me and also being well uh, the Icelandic community was very welcoming I just made lots of friends and if not friends just I met amazing people who always were very kind to me so that thought that was really hopeful it was kind of hope I felt hope you know uh, in that sense I thought as much as retreating happens you know, naturally, I thought also being in Iceland, and then next day I went to um, a site of volcanic site of a volcano that erupted a year before. And I thought, and I thought it was again, I, I think and I operate with metaphors a lot. So I thought, okay, nature is retreating, society is retreating, but sometimes we have those, you know, eruptions, and those eruptions bring change, you know, new environment gets created and you know mm-hmm. i was looking there's a beautiful uh, flower that is that is named that has a while back was named icelandic flower national flower and that flower grows everywhere so it's really it's very looks very delicate it looks a little bit like daisy but um, it just grows. You know, I, I remember I went to this um, site of volcano that erupted the year before. And, you know, it's really dark and uh, grainy looking. And then there's a tiny flower growing everywhere. So I thought, oh, that's another metaphor, you know. Yes, something erupted here. Something got destroyed. But something is growing. Something new and beautiful is growing. So I thought, well, that's what happens really, you know, in life. So I thought retreating is the perfect name for my work.
1: What's your favorite piece? Describe your favorite piece from your retreat in Iceland, or one of the one of the retreats that you're at. Or.
2: You mean the piece, as far as my our own artwork? Art yeah, work? like um, just
1: describe one of your favorite pieces there. It uh,
2: so you know my description will be long. It's just how I talk. That's alright. Um, so I I did a few video installations mm-hmm. when I was there, and I collaborated with an artist from Iceland, who I asked I asked him to read a poem. Mm-hmm. In Icelandic that was very important to me and um, the the piece um, is I spent quite some time in uh, libraries in Iceland in Reykjavik in national library and again people who worked in that library were so kind to me and patient with me because I was there every day and I was bugging them all the time and mm-hmm. talking and I was desperate to find the perfect poem and I don't speak Icelandic. So I was with my phone doing, you know, Google Translate and then I was asking people to translate for me and they were really nice and kind and patient. So finally, uh, I was I was allowed to enter a room where, you know, uh, normally researchers enter And you are allowed to bring a book with you that you are offered or you you look for in the library and then you spend some time with that book in that room. And there was one particular book that there was only one copy that the library had of local uh, poems, poets. And and I remember going through that book and that was the only book that had Icelandic and English translation. So you know it was the uh, so I could compare the language and I could compare translation. I remember finding that one particular poem by a living uh, poet uh, in Iceland, and um, I thought this was it. This was my poem. So I um, I managed to ask. I asked one of the artists in residence, and he read it. I recorded him. He read it for me, and then I designed, I created, um, composed this kind of landscape where you have. Um, night uh, you know starry night and there is this volcanic side you don't really maybe you might not know when you look at it it's volcanic side it's very dark and there are those flowers coming down you know and then growing from the uh, from the side so that's my i think my favorite piece because it depicts a lot um was of what it? I'm trying to say or what I feel, but I express a lot of things in an abstract manner. So this is a little bit more literal.
1: So what was it? Where was what was the environment that it was placed in? Your installation, it was video projection. It was on in, monitors again, also. Yeah, or?
2: so most walls that was projected. Okay. As far as it was sim residency in Reykjavik, so that was projected on the walls. Interior, and,
1: right? Interior walls, yeah.
2: and then I, um, you know, during residencies. Uh, there's not that much time to produce work that is very finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and residencies are all very open about it. They they know that artists come to kind of, again, I'm going to use the word, my favorite word, I guess, retreat. Mm-hmm. So you go there to kind of disconnect from the you know environment the, and the constant pace. And this is the moment when you take a breath. But it takes a while to... Um, Decompress, and then you meet new people, and especially if sure. you're in a new country, you know, it's like you really are thrown into a new environment. And um,
1: do you have a residency planned for the future?
2: Yes, Iceland. That sounds very cryptic. <laughs> uh, because I don't know for sure yet, but I think that would be That's Iceland what you're again. For. That's other right. thing. But um, yeah, so so, so during so, your
0: residency, mm, I'm sorry. Um, do you, as part of that? part of the component of that residency, do you have to do some kind of a show at the end or do you have to interact with the community or teach Mm -hmm. a class? I know all All residencies are different. All residencies are very different. Yeah. So the ones that you did.
2: We had open, we had open house. Okay. We also attended lots of events, but also, you know, many, in many ways it's up to you how much you want to take out of it. You know, I really want to take as much as possible and for me I really want to connect with local artists and local community and believe me in Iceland uh uh artist community is really thriving and local you know locals are really into art so um it's just outstanding i mean you know, i can give you an example i'm walking downtown i was just wondering how i'm going to get on that bus to get to my other residency not speaking i you know, trying to call somebody and i i i don't speak icelandic so i walk into a small gallery and I meet this uh, outstanding uh, ceramic artist, and she just, uh, we just had a chat, and I expressed my concern, she just picks up the phone, calls for me, gives me info, and then, you know, now we are connected, of course, Instagram is a great way to connect, she supported my Kickstarter community, and she, uh, so again, you know, you make those connections, but um, as far as what do you have to produce? It's really up to you, but I think you know, everybody wants to produce some sort of work. So And also you see other artists producing, so you feel inspired to do so. I was lucky because I did two residencies back-to-back and the first residency was, by, there was a group of artists with me. In my second and I started producing work and I had an idea the direction I was heading then I went you know to the other side of Iceland where I was by myself I had my, I was you know the only artist in residence I had a gallery and um, my residency culminated with a with a show solo show so my work you know I kept continuing and um, I spent a lot of time in an outstanding um, one of, I think, the best ever uh, um, botanical gardens in Akureri. You know, it's, it was just outstanding. So I was very inspired by that. And that's when I was painting more at that time in Akureri. And so I had, a, I was very lucky. I had this outstanding uh, gallery space to myself that mm-hmm. was offered. And I had a show, you know, I had projections. And that's when, and again, on walls projections. So I had multiple projections projections going. And I had paintings um, displayed. So that's another, you know, that was, uh, that was That was great because you know two residencies and one kind of fed into the other
1: can i get some of the technical Mm -hmm. information so back in the day you used uh, digital cameras to Mm -hmm. to document your work sure today what are you using and what kind of projectors are you using
2: um so when i was you know traveling was also limiting as far as you know how much can i bring with me i just brought my nikon camera Uh and i brought my little tripod Mm -hmm. and i brought my uh, multiple lenses that go with my icon and i had my phone you know now phones have really good cameras so that's good and um and i brought a lot of uh painting i brought some paints um there's what about the projectors i brought a tiny projector Uh with me that had power but i realized it didn't last you know long right but so uh, i was lucky i was um I got projectors at the at the gallery in Agrary. So the you know the the gallery gave me, loaned me projectors, and so I didn't have to worry. I had like you know six or seven easels at my disposal. So you capture
1: the images digitally. You throw it into after effects or to rush or premiere mm-hmm. or something and then
2: like, yeah it was, so yeah. it differs you know some are more edited sometimes yeah. the videos i take sometimes the mo the videos that the actual not much edited some people think that actually they are edited mm-hmm. so yes but most of the time i edit
1: you'll incorporate like the poem mm-hmm. or you'll do you ever use music or ambient natural ambient noises yes
2: i play with sound mm-hmm. i, I So far, you know, I I don't use really uh, somebody else's music. Actually, Mm -hmm. my thesis at CCA, I did. um, And I asked the band for permission. It was very specific music. And they actually were very gracious. They got back to me and they gave me permission to use it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But normally I try not to use even the free music. I I just try to use the... I I did record sound and then I edited it. You know, I like to experiment with sound. So then I would use it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm working on some pieces now i actually paintings kind of took over a little bit uh, video installations for the last few months but this summer i'm going i, I have an upcoming show so i'm going to work more on projections where's iteration. the show cedar house gallery oh, okay nice. yeah december
1: 1st december 1st
2: and then i i have um on april actually april 28 mm-hmm. my icelandic collages are going up at um um, in Jepson Center nice you know those six windows I was select like, the artist art of oh, the year so, yeah. so they will not be... outside but the windows yeah there. yeah they're in windows so they're on the uh, I forgot the name of the street
1: I got you I know is are going
0: doing. to be an opening reception for that too uh,
2: there will be an artist talk May 23rd at Telfer yeah
1: Okay. so what medium are you painting with uh, what ac- mostly acrylic. acrylic acrylic on canvas
2: yeah canvas. but the, the work at uh, Jepson Center it's uh, photographic Okay. Collages, so it's a you will see Icelandic kind of collages from the series ret- retreating. Can I
0: ask a little bit about the? Um, I know you're you're painting um, abstractly mm-hmm. mostly. Um, is the is the photo collage also abstraction?
2: It's not abstract, but it's an abstraction of a landscape. You know, okay. but it's I'm trying to capture a feel spirit of place as they call it but you will see no you will see glacier in the collage but i'm also i'm interested i'm kind of building those environments where you see let's say nature maybe it's behind the glass you don't know what it really is but it's kind of i'm letting you get close to it but i'm not really letting you in yet so my next step which i'm careful talking about because it's not you know it's not very defined idea yet i'm actually really interested in developing and going to 3d space where i can start working on those you know bring those collages into the, a different space where I can actually enter that space. But um, that's my idea, we'll see. So.
0: Okay, yeah, so I know by looking at some of your work, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether it was painting or photography or both, but I saw it was very abstracted. but I, I could almost see some geological, mm-hmm. what looked to be geological features in there, um, looked like you were taking a lot from landscape Mm -hmm. and abstracting that, but give it a lot of texture Mm -hmm. and depth. Mm -hmm. Is that something you work into your abstraction?
2: Yes. And I'm not sure if that's the piece you described, but I think you're talking about the glacier. That was my series of the retreating, but it was because the glacier, I I can tell you the glacier had a huge impact on my, um, that was, it was quite breathtaking to be, to feel like a tiny, tiny person in front of that, you know,
0: You talk about retreating and Mm -hmm. also that you're interested in environmental issues. Mm -hmm. Is that particular glacier retreating faster because of environmental issues or is it just a natural? I think it's it's
2: all. It's it's all combined, I think. I don't know if we can ever even tell anymore, you know. It's hard. I I think it's hard, yeah, because yeah. It's really hot in Savannah, right? And it was very cold in January, like unusually cold. So you know.
0: Yeah, well, our pipes froze. Actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you know, that's a, I, I heard from lots of friends or people I know, like wondering what is really why is it so cold? You know. Yeah,
0: I guess we're gonna see more extremes, mm-hmm. no matter where you are on the planet. Right. Right. You so, know, whether it's cold, mm-hmm. hot, yeah. wind.
1: Yeah. What's the primary color that you're painting with? on this current series. see
2: I don't have a primary color but if you look at my work you probably will say blue I was thinking that <laughs> I was going to say and I know
0: there's a series I entitled, can't help it. It, it's
2: not intentional
0: it was something about the present oh, and yes. blue oh
2: Blar it's in Icelandic there was uh, I went with blue also
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: I can't help it it's uh, it was
0: beautiful it almost looked like indigo mm-hmm. It? Do you work with Indigo at all? Not really, no, really, no,
2: no. It's just I end up always with blue, you know. It, it's not intentional. I just cannot. me too. I maybe I'm of blue, just so. maybe I'm just you know blue. <laughs>
1: well, let's talk a little bit about your studio environment, your studio practice. Mm. Um, how does that look?
2: like um, Are you listening
1: to music?
2: I uh, differ sometimes. You know, yeah. like late at night if I paint, I listen to music, but um
1: What are you listening to? Uh
2: I listen to what I listen to. I um listen to uh, I think it was Spotify uh station. Sometimes it's just sounds of nature. Mm-hmm. I try not to listen to I realized that a while back. I don't remember the name of the band, but it was from Norway, the band I think. And then you know when I was I- in Iceland, I really uh, listened to different uh, different artists shared with me different The Sugar Cubes? I don't know I was going to say that. No, no, I don't know that, but Bjork. Um, <laughs> pardon, Bjork. Yeah, yeah. So I had uh, That's the only job. reference that yeah, I Yeah, but no, there are some bands uh, that um, I got to learn about because of other artists in mm-hmm. residence, so that was also great. But um, i recently it's recently months i feel that i am so I, I am very busy during the day and i talk a lot and i listen a lot there's a lot of buzzing around me so i actually uh, it's just a helicopter flying above uh, that's fine it's part of natural <laughs> that's not the buzzing
0: in your head yeah, no it's <laughs> I'm At least sure not this time
2: there's lots of buzzing <laughs> in my head too i'm sure um I enjoy silence, mm-hmm. you know, because I am a really fast-paced person. So this is the same when I wake up in the morning. It's very... I love the quiet. This is my start of the day. And in the evening, I just... I feel when I... I don't know, it's like overused, but I get in my zone. I don't even know what's happening. I just mm-hmm. paint and I I don't want any distraction, you know. I, I just don't want any lyrics in my ear and I don't want... I just want to do it so but sometimes I would occasionally have like you know my zen channel or my more meditative channel I really enjoy that sometimes but sometimes it's just quiet although you know I never hear the silence because I feel like when I paint there's all this happening and mm-hmm. um so yeah I think we are you know we are over stimulated uh, visually and um and audio wise and I, I think there's lots of buzzing around us and every day it's fine that's why very often my video installations have no sound because I feel that they will work very well with the natural sound around mm-hmm. us and so that's yeah
0: do you find it hard to shift gears from your professional you know as an instructor mm-hmm. or a professor yeah and then moving into your own you know headspace so you can create
2: no I don't because uh, I teach. And I feel, you know, I chose, this is a choice I've made. That's why I made that choice, so I can continue with my art practice. And um, also I teach something that is relevant to what I practice. Not necessarily exactly, but I teach a very diverse group of students from different majors. And, you know, we have very interesting conversations during class time. We work on different projects.
1: Uh, what is it that you're teaching digital communication
2: okay but you know there are lots of I also encourage students to experiment a lot with uh, both off-screen and on-screen I'm I'm really big on that you know analog and digital so um, it's really I I, in a way I bring my practice to some extent Mm -hmm. uh, to my classroom but also you know I get inspired by conversations I have with students also have students who like I said you know they come from different majors so I, I, I find it refreshing and um I don't have a problem, you know, resetting. For me, walking is my way of resetting and kind of recharging. So, And also new ideas come to mind. So, um, no, I, I just feel, you know, I'm kind of, my art practice is not something I do after hours. It's always an extension of me. I feel like, you know, there's always thought process. Um, when I read, it's part of my art practice. Not maybe, might, might not seem directly related, but, you know, like for me, even reading the news, you know, would respond I did installations um, and then you know I would respond to something I read and something can be very dramatic or drastic or very disturbing to me and for me art is a way of processing you know because sometimes I don't understand what's happening around me why mm. it's happening so the best way for me rather than go and scream on Twitter you know is to go and do my artwork so that's how I process things but mm. many times that work and, and it's not really intentional I don't you know plan on posting it somewhere or submitting to a uh, to uh, art competition or but it it does happen many times that that work that you know is uh, an extension of my way of processing something or something that's happening ends up being shown somewhere you know or ends up winning something you know so it's just it's kind of natural talk
0: about the um, technology you mentioned that Mm -hmm. earlier about playing that playing a part aside from producing video and, Mm -hmm. and capturing it and, and sound and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Does, it seems like the, at least from what I, um, viewed of your painting and some Mm -hmm. of the photography, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's like Mm -hmm. the, 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 is a, is that your, your reaction to the technology that you're using on, you know, in the Mm -hmm. video and the other part Mm -hmm. is to kind of get away from that and mm-hmm. your other part of your practice to, to get to nature?
2: I don't think it's intentional but the main goal for me is to even if I have those big ideas and very often my work looks very different in the beginning it's like any art kind of art you know you start with a piece and you think it's going to be like this at the end I try not to control it too much I try to observe it I don't put pressure on myself in that sense but You know, when I was doing my thesis at CCA, it's funny because my former professor and thesis advisor, Martin Vaneski, we had lots of conversations during my uh, thesis project and we laughed about it because I was, I was at some point very frustrated. I was like, where am I going with this? What, What am I doing? My work was really fast paced and, you know, it was very technology based and the graphics were very, you know, technology driven. And at some point, I remember we were having this conversation. I said, I'm just tired, you know, and he said, well, why don't you slow down? I said, well, that's what I'm trying to do. And then I realized something. Exactly. That was the problem for me. You know, I was talking about technology and the fast pace we live and I was showing it all the time, you know, it's like, so I thought, oh, that's the problem. I'm just doing exactly what frustrates me. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to do the opposite. And then, and. It's just, I think I was at peace at that point, and uh, that's the work where it's heading. Although it's interesting because when I was in Iceland, you know, during um, during an open house and then gallery show, uh, my video installations were playing, and I got a lot of feedback. People were coming up to me and saying, oh, I would love to walk into this environment, you know? So have you thought of virtual reality and bringing it into that space? And I, and I did think about it a while back, and I'm really interested in well-being, so kind of, that, I think it would be great to... Um, yes, I would like to allow people maybe to enter that space. So there might be more technology coming up. That's my kind of...
0: Sounds like a meta yeah. project.
2: Yeah. So I think this project you know, is constantly growing. There are lots of ideas. We'll see time, you know, time. <laughs> so
1: what... Can you talk more about the well-being aspect? Well-being, yeah.
2: okay. Uh, um, Do you mm-hmm.
1: stretch or is it health or is it mindfulness kind I of think- thing? Or all of Ideally it. all of it, yeah.
2: you know. And you I mentioned walking. So walking, is that yeah, a definitely. daily?
0: Do you have like Oh routine? yes, I walk
2: all I walk in, I, I when I moved from San Francisco to Savannah, that was one of the things. I said if I move here I'm walking to work and I made sure that's the case. So I have a privilege of walking to work. And I think it is a privilege, mm-hmm. you know, in twenty twenty three to be able to walk to work and not to drive for two hours, you know? So it's really important to me. Um because walking again, you know, just twenty minute walk to work really puts me in a different space. You know, I enter the building, you know, refreshed, and um, I, I just love it. So um, walking is a big, big part. Yes, I mean, you know, I, I used to do Pilates and um, yoga, and I always say I'll go back to it. So, yes, I do stretching, you know, yeah, yeah. A, bit, a little bit of yoga. But um,
1: And it ties its way into your work, probably just get your your mind set definitely. to the right mm-hmm. level that it needs yeah. to be.
2: And I think, you know, the older I get. I, I, I see the value of that yeah. and importance. But um I also like I said, I I'm a pretty fast paced person mm-hmm. and I recognize that, you know, I, I know Do
0: you walk fast?
2: Um so I walk fast and that's actually part of my practice. I walk fast and then I slow down and I kind of it's like, I guess it's like heart beating, you know, it goes fast and then mm-hmm. kind of come down and slow down and observe. I am big on observing the environment, you know. So I'll be walking and watching. But even when I walk fast, I um I watch a lot. So uh, somebody, a friend of mine was laughing at me the other day because I said, yes, you know, my work is about stillness. And my friend said, you, you never still. And I said, you know, really, if you think about it, I don't know if there is such a thing as stillness these days, you know, so you find that's just stillness. what you're
0: striving for.
2: Yeah. Or that's- but I also think where you find stillness, you know, so I don't think... I you can find stillness in your mind when you're still moving, you know? That's the thing. Maybe it's more about mind. I don't, you know, as long as my mind is not racing, and I think um I think I'm I'm doing pretty well with that, you know. I'm getting better.
0: You had enough time to stop and look at the owls?
2: Oh, definitely. That's birds. priority. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I find that I always have to I w- I try to walk to in the morning when I I just mm-hmm. I do a little same pretty much loop. Mm-hmm. every morning and uh, Kevin I know you're you're mm-hmm. you're you have this whole regiment of, of walking but yeah. I have to notice the fact that I'm I walk really mm-hmm. fast and I, mm-hmm. I have to force myself to mm-hmm. stop and yeah, I walk not fast, stop and so. slow down mm-hmm. because I tend to not mm-hmm. look around and take in things if I'm walking fast mm-hmm. if I slow mm-hmm. down then I will
2: I'm probably not the best person to go for walks with I will drive people crazy because I take a lot of photos so I will stop, you know, and my family and my friends, sometimes they, I drive them crazy because I have to take a bunch of photos and sometimes people don't know what photos I'm taking off. It's hard to figure out. I know very well and it's very clear to me that I have to take a photo of that. So I will stop a lot of times and it doesn't bother me, you know. So, yes, I, I stop when I feel like, I feel pretty content with my walking.
1: Right. Part of my thesis is revolving around walking. Mm. So that's why Kelly mentioned. Oh, interesting. Of- uh-huh. I like to watch the sun rise every morning. Mm-hmm. So I, a bacon golf course is mm-hmm. just, it's like a 15 minute walk from here. So I go there every morning before the sun rises. It's dark and I'm usually in the middle of this huge field. It's a golf course, but it's no I, alligators. I haven't seen any. I've seen fox, um, not a fox, some coyotes, deers, lots of wildlife, but no caters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it's it sets my day the way it, if I don't mm-hmm. walk it mm-hmm. it just feels I, weird so. I
2: completely can, I can relate and I that. also
1: take a lot of photos it's just an inspirational mm-hmm. time for me like mm-hmm. no life you know my life kind of stops and it mm-hmm. it's it's healthy for me yeah.
2: so. I start teaching at eight in the morning, okay. so I wake up around five thirty five forty five I don't have to really wake up that early because, you You know, I could wake up. But I do it because it's my ritual. I need Mm -hmm. my quiet time, you know, in my coffee and I need my book. Or I just need to read a little bit and my my mind goes in that place. Did you
1: read Rick Rubin's book? Mm, Pardon? Did you read Rick Rubin's book? No. No? You might enjoy it. It's called The Creative Act or something, The Way of Being. Okay. Do you know Rick Rubin? No. He's a music producer from the 90s I would say but he's recorded people from like the Beastie Boys uh, the Chili Peppers to Johnny Cash Um, I think he's even done like Justin Bieber he's done a lot of people produced a lot of music but he's also this guru that everybody goes to work with because he's just, I don't even think he records. He just sits back and listens for Mm -hmm. authenticity is what my Mm -hmm. take is. Um, But he wrote a book and released it earlier this year and it's been out of print maybe three or four times, two or three times. And he doesn't speak to just the music industry. He speaks to artists, the artistry or artisans and I highly recommend it. Okay. If, you, if you haven't okay. read it, which you haven't, I'll, I'll, check it out. I will check it out. Cuz he he speaks, you know, not he's speaking with you or to mm-hmm. you kind of like in a conversation. That was the way. It's easy to read is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: if you since we're kind of speaking to emerging artists, you obviously have had a lot of um A variety of experiences as a as a professional artist Um, is there any specific advice that you can share that was helpful to you um, Mm -hmm. that might be helpful for others that are getting started Mm -hmm. um, you know trying to kind of carve their own path in Mm -hmm. the creative field
2: you know I think you know, I come with design, well, linguistics background and design and art. And, you know, it's kind of moving from design to art. That was always challenging in a way because I had to prove myself an artist. But I don't think everybody has the same. I, don't, I always say there's no linear path. You know, there are twists and turns. And when you only when you look back, you realize they all made sense at that. You know, now they make sense. At that time, maybe things were frustrating. Um... I don't think there's no there's I don't think there's one way to you know to arrive wherever you want to be, but I think you have to be patient with yourself and you have to really work hard. If you really have passion for something, I think you're willing to work hard for it, and you cannot be discouraged by um, what you might consider failures or disappointments. You know, you have to push through it. So um, I really think it's important to build communication skills. Being able to communicate with others, and I think that was quite an obstacle during COVID, you know, times, and especially for young people that were deprived of those connections and in-person um, uh, meetings. And I think, you, you know, that can be an issue. So I think being able to reach out to others, building that creative community, and sometimes, you know, you have to uh, you have to start something somewhere. For example, I I started my podcast because I couldn't go to Uh, Iceland. So, you know, there might be an obstacle, something might not work out. So what do you do with that? How do you, how do you respond to that? Plus
0: you were creating a different community of Mm
2: -hmm. artists. I called mine, I'm sorry, I called mine a little mini artist residency I created for myself, you know. Um, but I really think connecting with others for me, it's been crucial, and it it's I've got so much support. And even the Kickstarter campaign, you know, it was a big achievement within like ten days, I met the goal, but only because I had so much support of the community that um, and I really appreciate that. I feel grateful for that. And I also think you know you have to not everything will be given to you. So even artist residency, you have to residencies. When you connect with other artists, when you look up their, you know, even the artists, if you don't connect personally, look up websites, look up what their bios. Do they show, do they they have any residencies they completed? If you see any residencies, look them up, see what those residencies are. Uh, Talk to people, reach out. Not everybody will respond, but email people. Mm -hmm. You know, I always tell students, even on Instagram, tag people, send a message, you know, make it nice. People might respond to you. Some might not. There are different reasons you don't know the story behind it but some might and just you know ask questions but um we really are privileged as much we might complain about internet these days you know there's a lot you can look up quickly and find out and uh in Savannah, we have quite a bit community, we're quite lucky here too, you know, so it's also about making an effort and connecting and um, artist residencies I strongly recommend, you know, depending what you want to do in your career, but that's a one way of building a network and being noticed with your work because, you know, one thing leads to another, one artist residency leads to another, one project leads to another and so on, so... You know, I'm not. I'm not that wise. I don't have that much of good advice. But I just think, you know, well, you somebody know, gave me one advice, yeah. just one piece, and I'll tell you, mm-hmm. this is something that I always remember. Keep moving forward. I think that's the best advice I've ever got in my life. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's. It's always good to share what was helpful to you, mm-hmm. because more than likely, it's going to be something mm-hmm. that resonates with, right. with other people yeah. as well. And you
2: know, uh, I hear it a lot. Some people say, you know, art. I cannot make a living, and you know that could be the truth and that's the truth for a lot of us artists out there and um and a lot of artists you know philip glass for example too you know doing jobs that sometimes were completely relevant to what their art practice was and and that's fine i would say you know and and that's okay and you know again it's your drive how much are you willing you know to to do to get where you need to get so yeah and you know actually you have to also produce work Keep working. Keep working because, you know, if you just talk about art and I I hate that, you know, uh, term um, starving artist, I don't believe in it. You know, you know, you are a starving artist only if you produce work, you know. So uh, I think there are lots of opportunities these days. You don't have to be a starving artist, you know, but just keep, keep working. You know, not all work will be sold if you want to sell it. Not all work will be awarded, special awards or recognized. But I think, you know, you have to work so you get better at whatever you do and also you make discoveries. It's not just about technical skills, it's about making discoveries and also being curious and excited about what you do, you know?
0: Yeah, we hear almost unanimously to with all the people that we talk to that the community that you build is paramount mm-hmm. in your practice. Because you have no idea what opportunities are gonna arise that somebody might think of you for. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, doing it on your own, you know, I think is, would be extremely difficult in Mm -hmm. these, you know, Mm -hmm. now.
2: But I also think as an artist, we all have to be familiar with the environment around us you know like what's happening culturally politically because that affects the work and the work you know is produced in current times and I also think it's very important I always tell my students or when I talk to my friends I say no it's really important to go to museums go see a show go see whatever it is play go read or learn about artists who are no longer with us or who are still with us and learn their st- what their story you know was or is how they overcame or have overcome challenges you know and what they persevered you know look at artists I don't want to get really dark here but you know you look at artists musicians that during World War II in Auschwitz you know they ended up there and then they survived they went back to create work or they produced work while being imprisoned and that's you know when that drive is that art can really give you hope can push you through life can help you so you know sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves, but. There's a lot of opportunities. Like you said, when you build community around you, um, there's a lot of support you get and a lot of strength, I think, comes with that.
1: Yeah, and be aware and conscious that no matter where you're at on the ladder, there's always somebody you know, you can also yeah, pick up as you're moving up the ladder.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, it's a process. Everything. Yeah. Life is a process, you know, so just yeah. you should have a little bit of fun with that, you know, like enjoy it, hopefully.
1: I really appreciate that you answered my message on Instagram to be on our podcast.
2: Oh, no, I feel feel honored. Thank you for reaching out.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to have anybody interviewed or if you have any questions or comments, please hit us up on Instagram at The 10 Frame.